Hello and welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizzled on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And Ben, did you enjoy watching the Super Bowl last night? Uh, you know, you know, I did. I did enjoy it. I know there's been some complaints about the game itself being a little bit slow. Um, I do admire a good defensive showdown. Uh, the one thing that was frustrating with it was more just that, I mean, the offenses looked so bad. It didn't look like the defenses were great. And that's the reason the offenses were bad. But man, nobody really came to play on the offensive side of the ball. So, uh, so yeah. And then, you know, the ads were pretty good. Nothing, nothing great. Nothing that really, you know, blew my mind, but, uh, no fast and the furious seven trailer. But, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, I imagine I enjoyed it more than you did, Liz, since you were on on a magic magic flight through the sky. Yes, I somehow managed to end up on an airplane, flying, literally taking off at kickoff. I and which was very confusing too because it was a four hour flight, so it was you know the entire entire duration of the flight. I don't know, like. In general, East Coast versus West Coast time zones have proven very confusing for me lately. I don't understand how, having grown up on the West Coast, I don't understand the concept of watching a football game until 11 o'clock at night. That makes no sense to me. Football is done by 8. That is the rule. See, it's all really weird for me. I've spent time on both coasts, and I grew up in in the central time zone. So for me, it was pretty much perfect. Where like the game, like the last game of the day, would start at seven thirty. Like the Super Bowl would start at you know about five thirty. By the time it was done, it was pretty much well. Okay, the day's pretty much over. I can go to bed. And if it starts on the East Coast, then it's like it's too late. And if it starts on the uh, if I'm in the West Coast, then it's too early. And then I'm like, what do I do with the rest of my night? I've got two hours to kill, three hours to kill. So this yeah, I don't know. It's it's all very weird. This was just right. Just, just right. But I think it's 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 an interesting way of coming into this conversation we're about to have, which is the fact that you know you know the show was followed the the, the game was followed up the show like it's a television show, but the, the game show, well yeah yeah I mean it is a, it is it is a spectacle yeah certainly most watched it, most watched up apparently isn't there some sort of statistic where it's like the it's the most watched but the like the rate, the the percentage of people who actually watch it has gone down. Uh, yeah, like the the can like can comparable to the population. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Which is interesting. It is. That's true. Uh, but anyways, the whole reason of bringing it up is that uh, it was followed by CBS taking advantage of its post of its Super Bowl hosting to do two late night shows. In a slot traditionally reserved for promoting the show, a, a network's uh, scripted content. Yeah, and I mean they've been, you know, pretty hell bent on getting Stephen Colbert and James Corden uh, out there. I mean, just getting them noticed by people, and this was obviously a big step forward in doing just that. I, I don't know how it played, Liz. I, I've seen a lot of kind of negative reaction towards towards, towards Colbert's segment. Um, I haven't heard much about Cordon's, which is pretty much par for the course. But uh, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, you you weren't even back in time to watch it live. But from what you've seen online, did did you have any immediate thoughts? I mean, it seems like it seems like if they were going to do it, this I mean, it, it, it well, okay. For one thing, it's important to look at CBS's entire lineup right now. And I remember when it was announced that Colbert would be taking the post Super Bowl slot, people were discussing it online, and the big thing that came up in regards to it was what else would CBS promote that way? Like you could maybe put Scorpion there, maybe, Ugh. but Supergirl. 
Supergirl. Supergirl, I think, was the obvious scripted answer. Like, but and the fact that they didn't choose to promote Supergirl there speaks to either a them being afraid that men don't want to watch a show called Supergirl, which is certainly something I could see a network executive saying out loud in a meeting, and b uh, you know them not putting their full weight behind Supergirl, which is a shame because from what I'm hearing, it's evolving pretty nicely. Yeah, I've heard I've heard similar things. I think it would have been an interesting test to see kind of how a show like that performed, especially if there were if people did believe that, if people believe that men want to tune in. I'm sure it would have set a ratings record for, you know, the show thus far and, you know, possibly increase the audience overall, who knows. But I did think and I still do think that that launching Colbert after the Super Bowl was a pretty smart move. Um I I I've long believed that you know he has immense amount of talent. We've seen it as it, with when he portrayed his own character, you know, on the Colbert Report. Um, but as a standalone interviewer, as somebody who is just a personality, I think he really stands up. And I don't know if the if the episode that they aired, the live episode that they they chose to go with, was perfectly structured. Mm-hmm. It definitely had its highlights, but I think perhaps the key for opening right after the Super Bowl is one. You know, holding on to the viewership, people keep tuning in. You know, long through the the awards presentation and the the ceremony and the analysis after the game. Um, but two, that you've got to have a pretty strong hook from the get go to keep people you know strung along through it. And I just I don't know. Like the way he did it was very respectable. He paid you know homage to the to the troops, and you know he 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 talked to somebody in space, and he did a, a pre-taped segment with President Obama that was pretty funny, and you know drew attention to the fact that it was pre-taped, which was a kind of a funny original idea. Um, but for the most part, it wasn't anything that really grabbed you or, or knocked your socks off, or was you know really you know as revolutionary as you know putting on a late show after the Super Bowl. So I, I I don't know I the the rest of the show I thought was actually a lot better um, I thought the guest selection was good but yeah he just didn't really get a rapport going with Tina Fey um, which is I imagine kind of hard to do but yeah I don't know I I I enjoyed it I watched it straight through I kept going but you know I I was also kind of working on other stuff so yeah well it's interesting. I mean, I think what's it, what, what I'm reminded of is watching his first week of shows uh, back last September, and he did a very big football bit in uh, the Thursday in the Thursday night episode, because of course it was following Thursday night football. And of all the bits that he tried that week, and you know that's his first week, he's gonna there's gonna be a lot of stuff that feels clunky or weird or out of joint. That one was by far the one of the worst. Like it just fell so flat. It relied way too much on the footballers to, play, you know, play comedy. And also it relied on, and this is maybe, the, I, I wonder if I'm the only one with this conception, but for some reason, Stephen Colbert talking about football does not feel like a natural fit to me. I, I, <laughs> no, no I, not really. I, I, I guess I'm just still, like, I... We had that whole list we did last year about, like, uh, super things with times we saw the real Stephen Colbert during the Colbert rapport and like three or four of them were connected to what a giant nerd he is um and how much he loves things like Lord of the Rings so maybe that's it maybe I'm going in with that bias which makes me feel like 
I mean, given that I'm talking about one of my people, my fellow nerds, I feel like I'm being weirdly prejudiced and, and uncool, and I don't like this about myself. I don't like this feeling, Ben. <laughs> well, I think you bring up a good point, too, in the sense that, I mean, I don't think that he's necessarily a, a good fit for football either. I don't think he's somebody that I necessarily want to hear even, you know, kind of joke about football. It just doesn't seem to have the authority behind it. But I don't think he needed to talk about football nearly as much as he did. I don't think people are actually looking for that after the Super Bowl's ended. They've spent four hours watching the actual game, God knows how long, with pregame shows and pre-party specials and, and hype going into it. You know, you're kind of ready for another form of entertainment, and he provided that just kind of towards the back end of that of that episode. Like it just didn't. Like it, he tried to fit in a lot of football stuff early on. And it wasn't overt at the beginning, and then it became overt when he kind of brought in the analysis. I just, yeah, I, I think that's an I think that's an interesting point in in the sense that he didn't necessarily need to do that. He didn't need to bring in football. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I, I I agree with you. It's, it's that's a really interesting point, especially because like I think because it became about football, it wasn't a big. It wasn't. It, it just kind of maybe it just kind of felt like. You were just continuing the game just in a different format to some extent, if that makes any sense. I didn't actually watch it, so I don't know for, I, I can't say I had the experience of that. But what I'm, I, I keep going, thinking, I, I, this, this came to mind originally because of, because, because of Supergirl, but I keep thinking about uh, one of arguably the best post-Super Bowl episodes of television ever, in my, my humble opinion, which is uh, the se- season two episode, phase one, entitled Phase One of Alias. And Ben, I don't know if you remember your Alias well. Nope. Did you watch the, did you watch the, the post-Super Bowl episode of Alias? <laughs> I did not. Okay. Well, let me tell you what happens. Because uh, I mean, that was a female-led action show from the uh, 2000s. Uh, and in one of the most blatant attempts to pander to a male audience who might be skeptical about watching a female-led action series along the lines of, say, Supergirl. Literally the first scene is Jennifer Garner strutting out to ACDC's Back in Black wearing various different types of lingerie. No, do it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it was, it's just so shamelessly pandering. But then they, they twist it. They have fun with it. It's, it's pretty funny overall. Um, but it's... It's a it's a really great episode of television. It's a huge. It was a huge. They deliberately built the entire plot of the season up to that moment. The major changes happen with over the course of that season, and over the course of that episode for the season. And it's overall a great episode of television. And it may, it, it as it feels even more epic because it followed the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I mean, for as, for as shameless as that, that intro is, it's it's something you absolutely have to think about. And one of the reasons that I think that Late Night could have been a good pick, it's that you have so many options on how to actually open the show. You could do so many different things to immediately hook your audience and, and make them you know hang around for the rest of the, the hour. Um, I just don't think that they, if they took that into consideration, it didn't really show or they had some seriously bad judgment as to what would keep people kind of intrigued or to make them want to come back, obviously, which is the larger goal of airing it then, to make them want to come back every night of the week and watch more of Colbert. You know, they needed to make a a pretty big statement with this episode, and it just kind of felt like another regular hour of television. That being said, Ben, do you want to talk about Will Ferrell right now? 
Oh my God. Well, Will Ferrell, yeah, he was he was the best part. And I think what worked so well about Will Ferrell was, I mean, for one, it, he he could have shown up on any night of the week and it would have been fine. Um, that bit would but, have played. At, yeah, that bit would have literally played at any moment. Yeah, and it, and it worked in it worked slightly because of you know the attitude they're taking with this being a new show and trying to attract new viewers in the sense that he was auditioning for a part you know that that isn't there anymore, um, and and he kind of played up that angle instead of talking about the movie. But really, it was just a lot of fun to watch him embrace that bit, and then even towards the end when he started to break just a little bit. You know, that made it all the more human and made you kind of like dig in and, and embrace it. Um, and I, I, I just really I just really love that segment. And I, it's one of those things where it's easy for me to say that that was a great segment, that that was the best part of the episode, because I think it clearly was. Um, but even if that was what opened it, it might have worked. But I think people would just have been left admiring Will Ferrell and not admiring Stephen Colbert. Like they're mm. just... They didn't seem to put a lot of emphasis on his personality, um, and there's been, you know, some debate over over what that personality actually is, uh, or what the strengths of it are, and, and what they need to be marketing towards. But I, I just didn't feel like they tried that hard to get that in there. And and for as much as I enjoyed the show, it was more like, well, this just happened to be on a little bit earlier for me to watch it tonight, and I did. But I'm not gonna, you know, make it a priority more than I had, you know, thought to before. Yeah, and in general, I think the really interesting thing about late right right now is the fact that if, of all the things that have become time shifted and so forth, I think every, I don't think there's a single person, maybe, who watches the same late night show in the same way anymore. Like, I mean, well, okay, that's that's a stupid generalization. I'm completely incorrect about that. What I mean to say is, though, I feel like a lot of times people are choosing to dig into late night shows on their own level, often through clips, often by time shifting to, like, say, the morning. Like, our own Steve Green, uh, one of our coworkers here, he's told me that he lo his morning ritual is watching the Colbert, uh, Stephen Colbert while, uh, while you know, starting his day. Like, that's his, that's his thing. That's his jam. Yeah, no, and that's that's a huge part of it, and that's just another reason that this could have really worked because, you know, even if you didn't hook everyone in, you know, who's who stuck around from the Super Bowl, if you had that gangbuster segment that would play huge online the next day, then that gives it all the more press because people are going to be talking about the Super Bowl anyway, and that just keeps the cycle going for as long as you can possibly stand it. I mean, it's a huge part of what goes into making late night successful now is is having those segments that can exist for longer period of times that can go viral um that can, that can catch on online even if if you missed them the night before especially if you missed them the night before um kind they don't have to necessarily have to be timeless they still need to be somewhat timely but you know they've got that spark to them and they've got that 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 sense of uh, immediacy and and really again like that's that's kind of what was missing from this otherwise very enjoyable hour of tv fair yeah i mean are the ratings in yet for last night uh, I haven't seen them if they are. I mean, the Super Bowl did well, but uh, I have not seen anything about Colbert yet. Okay, uh, I'm sure that I'm sure that's coming if it hasn't yet. Uh, and but I think what's because I, what, what's interesting about talking about ratings and late night uh, is that it, it's still ratings still feel like they matter in late night and on a way they don't seem to matter matter anymore in broadcast or in cable because. It's 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 it, at the very least it's a very clear measuring stick that all the different shows are measuring themselves against, 
And apparently, like, and it, 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 that's really important, frankly, especially because, you know, CVS is looking at its late night lineup and it's, you know, clearly, clearly it's uh, figuring out how they're feeling about two basically brand new shows that have launched under the, over the last year. Um, and one of those shows, Stephen Colbert slipped below not Jimmy Fallon, but below Seth Meyers over Thanksgiving week is a stat I just saw recently. And that's like, that must be horrifying. Yeah, it's got to have them a little bit spooked, and it's it's an interesting it's an interesting play, especially for CBS, who you know whose viewership is still pretty strong. Like maybe their eighteen to forty nine demo isn't as great as some of the other networks, but um, their overall viewership is really really good. And a lot of those people are the ones who are watching it live, who are watching late night live, uh, as opposed to necessarily checking it out the next day. Which which to me embodies a lot of the the kind of break in, in how TV is being watched and analyzed in general. I mean, you know, late night like we just talked about, is having this whole other second life, uh, you know, online the, the next morning or, or the, even the days after it airs uh, where people can catch up at their own speed and with, you know, very minute portions of the segment, like whatever segments they want to see, they watch those. They don't necessarily have to tune in for the whole thing. Um, but there are still, you know, a, a, enough of a viewership at night that it matters to see who's watching it live. And, you know, all of that's changing, all of that, you know, they're still figuring out on their own end to see, like, what's the most valuable portion of it and how to balance that. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, analyzing kind of where Colbert ranks right now in terms of the other late night personalities is going to be something that CBS looks at very, you know, carefully after the Super Bowl episode. Yeah, I mean, because the, the thing that they're happy with, with Colbert is that his audience is younger than David Letterman's. I mean, that doesn't shock me or strike me as particularly a hard achievement to pull off, if I'm <laughs> going to be blunt, just because I uh, love David Letterman. He was a legend, uh, but he was also a little older. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I think the I, I'm clear. there's an article I'm clearly – I read over the weekend that I, I need to – I'll try to dig up and provide for linkage purposes here uh, on, on our Humble Podcast page. But – because uh, it said one of the other interesting comments that came from it was uh, Jimmy Kimmel's uh, people basically saying, "Yeah, we get our viral hits, but we make no money off them. Like it's not a revenue source." And I think that as a result, a lot of late night, like the the I think the fervor around, "Oh, we got to have all the viral clips," that still exists, but it's no longer the priority. I think people have kind of cooled down a little bit from the thrill of the viral, of the crazy viral event. Because, you know, at this point, they're, the formula for generating them is growing simpler and simpler. Uh, or at least it seems like, it seems like more late night has figured out certain key formulas that will work. And so they're not, and they're not afraid to pull them out whenever humanly possible. Yeah, which to me makes it all the more interesting to see what some of these new people are going to do with their specials, like with their own shows. I mean, James Corden is is somebody that I know you've uh, watched a lot of and, and and have seen. You know, he's he's done some some very different takes on what can be done with late night. I mean, even even recently with his Groundhog Day extended opening sketch, um, like it it didn't really have kind of the traditional comedic punch. It definitely wasn't a short segment that could be easily spread online. Um, it wasn't 
buzzy with a whole bunch of celebrities or anything. They were there, but it wasn't you know just the celebrity names that could sell it either. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's definitely trying to do his own thing. And now we've got Samantha B starting tonight on TBS, which is going to be a whole other ballgame because it's on cable. And we've all seen kind of how Conan has done on TBS, and that's been its own thing. Um, and he's kind of you know worked his way into the to the to the group that we talk about regularly. Um, but how Samantha B breaks in and, and what she decides to do with her show will be very interesting as well. Yeah, the extended clips I've seen of of uh, Full Frontal look really, really interesting. It, it, I think she's there's a, there's a bit of leaning towards like her old her old work on The Daily Show, in terms of feel, especially in terms of field segments. But I think overall, like I you know, no one here is really changing the game. I mean, but I think if they are changing the game, I, the one trend I'm seeing right now is no people aren't afraid of length anymore. Like. You know, in terms of in terms of executing segments, uh, you know, when James Corden did the Adele Adele uh, carpool karaoke bit, uh, that goes on for like ten minutes. Oh, it's like fifteen. Yeah, it's like fifteen. Yeah, it's it, it's really cool. Like actually, I think she, I think she's. I don't know how well that bit works with everybody, but Adele's the perfect person. You want to hear her talking in her incredible accent. <laughs> and then belting out these songs. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful uh, way of doing it. Yeah. And, and you're right. I mean, there's definitely, they're definitely trying different things. Like they're not being held by the time restrictions, which to me, uh, you know, they may not be breaking the mold. They may not be in reinventing the wheel, but you do have to find a way to get your personality across in either a segment or an idea or, you know, a, a recurring bit, something uh, that is very much your own that people can identify with as yours and, and that makes them want to come back. Like you can't it, – it's much harder to do uh, if you just kind of do it by being present. And I feel that's more what Colbert has done on The Late Show so far. He's had a few bits – uh, you know, that he brings back, you know, from time to time. He's had a few, uh, you know, very funny signature moments, but nothing that that's really had the stamp of like, oh my God, Fallon and his freaking games. Like, you know, the game, like if you, if you think of games, you think of Jimmy Fallon and whether you like that or not, it's something that's very much his brand and people will subscribe to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be curious to kind of see what Samantha B does in that vein uh, to, to make it her own and to make it, uh, to make her, uh, her show a destination for people either the night of or the next day. Well, I think I, I how much do uh, it doesn't seem like some one thing that Samantha's going to Samantha B's going like Samantha, my buddy Samantha. It, it, one thing a full frontal doesn't seem like it's going to be leaning on too hard is the guests. Like I think you know it's going to start off very much like her voice, her brand, which is something that these other shows aren't really talking uh, are, are are less are not as concerned with. I mean I think. Well, no, sorry. You know, it's not that these other shows aren't concerned with making their their hosts the voice and the brand. Uh, it's more that you know that it's it, the structure of what they have set before them is different from what she is. I think going to be pulling off. Yeah, and I, I think that's a smart strategy. I mean, you honestly could could say that Colbert did that when he was working on the Colbert Report um, because it was a different it was a different location like it was a different you know uh, turn on the dial mm-hmm. i mean the 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 broadcast networks need those celebrities as much as the celebrities need the broadcast networks to promote whatever they've got coming out like it's the biggest audience they can reach uh, on tbs it's going to be a much smaller audience that you're dealing with in general so you're not necessarily going to be able to take priority and get all the guests that you want to get anyway so it's much better to focus on 
this one brand or this one joke or just being the funniest thing on TV uh, or the most you know pertinent or you know the most topical or, or covering the most uh, important issues to you know whatever audience you're pitching to. Uh, there's going to be a lot of things like that that she's going to be able to dial in with, and if that's her true focus right now, that's a great focus to start with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, one thing I keep I, I want to go back to is the something I was saying about how I think these shows are caring less about you know creating viral hits, more less about breaking out in that fashion, which I, I stand by. That being said, I think honestly I've been pretty disappointed by how it post post its premiere the the Late Show has rolled out its digital presence. It's seems very limited to the clips and they're short clips and you know there aren't enough of them frankly like i think they're they're really trying to encourage you know watching all at once same day viewing either via or you know all at once viewing like via cbs on on the actual television or cbs.com or whatever but they're not stephen colbert is a show that needs buzz at this point it doesn't have it yet and that's I think that is where the viral clips do come in handy. Yeah, and I think that's all wrapped up in CBS' own struggles with their with their launch of the the subscription service of their CBS subscription service, where you can watch online anytime. Which also got a very awkward sexual innuendo of an ad uh, last night during the Super Bowl, uh, which really didn't work at all. But I mean, yeah, if they're gonna try to sell people on. You know the subscription service where you can watch whatever you want when you want. They don't want to give away too much of that content for free, including what they have on Colbert. So they should be, you know, in that mindset. They should be limiting the content that they release for free on YouTube for people to watch. But at the same time, that's really restrictive to Colbert's core audience. And maybe they're trying to get that audience to convert and to come over and, and subscribe, or to just watch online or to catch up the next day on you know various you know online sources. But you know, limiting those those specific segments and, and not releasing a lot of the you know the bigger ones or even the ones that people might talk about or might generate more content it is it is a problem and it's going to be a problem for Colbert and it'd be interesting to me to know kind of how he feels about that and how those showrunners feel about that restriction well I think and I mean especially when it, the thing that I find puzzling about it is when you think about over the summer prior to the show's launch they were they did some crazy stuff they were hosts you know Colbert was hosting a podcast or with one of his producers they were doing a ton of ton of web exclusive uh, videos just kind of shooting shooting Colbert talking for a few minutes in his office about whatever topical thing was on was on his mind uh, they did that crazy show from Detroit on public access mm-hmm. like I mean there's lots of exciting stuff that they were playing with uh, over the course of but prior to the show's launch and since then I don't think we've seen really much of any of it well, yeah, I mean, they they could definitely step up their game in creating something that's exclusive for the online community. That would be you know, be fine. It'd be interesting to see if they had the kind of time to do that, considering how much time it takes up to make you know shows like that on a daily basis anyway. Um, but yeah, all of those things were not available for people who are watching CBS anyway. Those were definitely just promotional tools. Um, so it, it's kind of just a, a transition that, that that he's going through right now. I don't know what exactly they're going to start working towards. I was kind of hoping to see that again in the Super Bowl special to kind of see like this is this is my opportunity. This is when I'm talking to the to the largest segment of the population I'm ever going to speak to. I'm going to make my mark and and show them where I'm going. And instead it felt like, you know, it kind of played it safe. So I I don't know exactly where they're going to take this thing, but I hope that they figure it out soon. Yeah, uh totally agree. And 
I mean, the, the big thing I want to come back to before we before we, we move on is what for you is the ideal time to watch a late night television show? What's the best way for you? What do you personally prefer? Um, I usually watch it the next morning. Um, if I'm, if I know, if I know someone or something is happening the night of, or if, you know, it's just one of those nights where I, I just have the TV on, then, you know, maybe I'll catch it then. But really I, I do kind of rely on people to tell me when something is important to watch on, on late night. It's, it's too long and there's too many of them to me, really, for me to really get invested, uh, to watch the night of, or to even make it, uh, you know, the number one thing I got to watch every day. So, uh, so yeah, I kind of, I kind of do that. What about, what about you? Honestly, I, I have to say pretty much the same. I rely, I, I, I have to say one of the most, all networks should do this. This is great. This is so helpful for me. I love this so much. Uh, I'm on at least two mailing lists right now, uh, one from NBC and one from CBS that every morning they send out clip, you know, send out the big, what they consider to be the big clips from last night's late night shows. Uh, and you know, not everything is for us, but every once in a while it's like, yeah, yeah. IndieWire will be very, IndieWire readers might want to see Martin Scorsese do his Robert De Niro impression. That might amuse them. (laughs) Yeah, that might. That might. That might. I could see it. I I could see it. I could see it maybe being interesting. So, uh, yeah, like that's, that's incredibly valuable. They're probably, those lists probably exist for other sites. I'm just not on them yet. I should figure that out. But the point is, yeah, I mean, without that, would I have gotten to see, would I would I have known to go looking up uh, who was it? Oh, Alan uh, Alan Cumming did a musical bit on uh, on, uh, on on Late Night with Seth Meyers. It was the quote unquote original the you know television premiere of his upcoming new Broadway show. It was about the Hoover Dam. There were people in beaver costumes, and I think that's something. That's a trend we might see evolving more as the you know you know full on like production numbers. Frankly. Uh, on late night, actually, Seth Meyers has been really cool about uh, like <clears throat> supporting, like supporting, like broad, you know, produ- you know, not Broadway productions, but like you know, they'll well, actually, Broadway productions, like they'll they'll just put on scenes from various musicals around town uh, because they're in New York and they can do that. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good that's definitely a good way to to go about it to kind of have those lists and see them every day and kind of scan the headlines. Um, I, I definitely do something similar and, and I think the only one, I mean, you'd be missing would be ABC's, right? With Jimmy Kimmel. I, I mean, there's, there's the cable ones too, but, uh, yeah. we're on last week tonight and uh, a couple other ones. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I think, yeah, maybe that's it. Well, Turner too. I, 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 especially with a full frontal launching and that was the thing I actually hadn't put together. And this is because I'm not very bright as, as often as point, not often pointed out. <laughs> Nobody says that, Liz. That's no, they don't need to say it. It's just obvious. But point is, I hadn't put together the fact, until they started doing promos together, I hadn't put together that Full Frontal was essentially being paired with Conan the same way that uh, Daily Show and Colbert Report used to work together. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting. Like The fact that I think that's exactly what Conan needs, and I think that's exactly what TBS needs, and I think that's exactly what Full Frontal needs is, you know, one show might not be sustainable but or might not create like a real dent in the landscape, but a comedy block goes a long way in helping that. Yeah, that's very, very true. And, that, and that's something that, you know, networks have experimented with for a long time. And, and if it's good... If they pair well together, there's obviously great success to be had. So, uh, you know, again, we're all just excited to see kind of what Samantha B has to offer tonight. Yeah. And in the meantime, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, I don't remember. 
I honestly forgot. Um, <laughs> you wrote it down. Uh, you actually wrote it down. I know. You I know, but then my thing shut down, and I couldn't. I couldn't uh. I, save it apparently and now it's just not there anymore and i i felt really good about this pick too uh what was it i feel like it was something kind of snarky snarky yeah what did you watch it wasn't angie tribeca it wasn't more angie tribeca no i've already said that recently too was it Horace and Pete? No, I didn't watch that. You're fine. Yeah. I'm just mad at it. It was interesting that they lowered the price on that, though. Yeah, because it was going to cost so much money. Yeah, I think they... I'd be curious to know if he'd always planned to do that, but we'll probably never find that out. Nope. Um, Liz, I don't watch anything. I've been watching... I've been watching... Sportsing. Yeah, sportsing, and, and uh, I watched some Boardwalk Empire to get ready for vinyl and a little bit of The Sopranos. Um, was any of that good? No, I didn't like Boardwalk really at all. I mean, wow. obviously I like The Sopranos, but... Um, uh, this is really compelling podcasting. I know. What did I watch this week? All right, I'm going to talk about mine, and maybe yours, yours will come to you. Yeah, I do that. Okay, so I was at ATV Fest uh, this weekend in, in Atlanta, Georgia. It's a lovely little place, a lovely little town. Um, I, I, it's, it's nice, actually, because I go there and I have to remind myself it's okay to be called ma'am all the time because that's what happens. Everyone is ma'am there. Uh, and while there, uh, they, have a really, they had a really interesting lineup of programming, a lot of broadcasts, a lot more broadcasts than you'd suspect. Um, and I ended up sitting in a screening of Gotham and it was a, hey. it was a season two episode. I, I, I watched the pilot and then I haven't really kept up with it since, you know, I've heard the odd thing here and there, but, uh, anyways, watching the pilot, uh, watching this new episode that they screened, uh, which sets up Mr. Freeze, by the way, which is very exciting. Nice. Uh, if you, if you're a fan of the original whatevers, uh, but it was, I was really impressed by certain elements of it, like especially production design and production design tone. I think that show has somehow, since I last watched it, really found its tone and its voice and its world. And so, I mean, if you're just kind of, especially if, you're, if you are a Batman fan who just kind of like doesn't mind seeing stories you know pretty well already repeated, uh, with some twists, it's I don't know. I was I was impressed by it. It, it. it took me it caught me off guard how much I really enjoyed watching it, and I, I I may make an effort to try to catch up and see more. Yeah, I'm a big fan of season two, especially. Um, I liked kind of what they 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 got a little lost in in the middle of season one, um, kind of balancing the the episodic with the serialized, but. Um, yeah, you're right. And the production de design has always been good. Like they've always just really nailed that aspect of the show, which has given it a good level of authority. Um, but yeah, I, I've liked what I've seen in season two too. It's, it's one of those shows where it's not quite, you know, great TV. It's not something I'm going to be putting on the top 10 list, but no, it's, it's very good. Yeah. I think, uh, what, what, what strikes me about it is the fact that it does what the Paul Dini animated series did really well which is it uh, capture, it, it, it creates, like, it draws from all these different influences to kind of be its own little universe. And actually, yeah. technically, you got to go back, before Paul Dini, you got to go back to Tim Burton's uh, Batman film, which also had similar elements to it. Very true. Very, very true. All right. 
Any any luck on your best stone? Um, I'm just going to give a shout out to Idiot Sitter. I think I might have mentioned it before, or you might have mentioned it before. Um, I definitely have seen the first three, I think, now, mm-hmm. and I am a fan of it. I think it's very well done. Um, I, I, Jillian Bell is just terrific. Um, I've, I've liked her in just about everything I've seen her in so far, so I hope she just keeps keeps growing, keep doing more stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of that show. It's, it's off to a very promising start, very simple premise um, on Comedy Central, but uh, the, the actors really just make it work. Yeah, absolutely. And talented writing, obviously, of course. Of but. course. Yeah. Do you do you happen do you happen to remember what the next thing you're looking forward to is? Uh, I don't know, Liz. That's that's a really tough call. I'm pretty sure the next thing I'm looking forward to is actually another Comedy Central show called Broad City. I think you might have heard of it. Oh um, yes, with with broads who live in a city. Yeah, I, I don't remember what city or what broads exactly, but season three premieres on the 17th, oh, okay. uh, and I cannot wait. I recently just binged through the first two seasons uh to kind of refresh my memory at random and uh i just yeah i fell in love like i really do love that show and i can't wait for season three very excited to see what they do with it um yeah that's the next thing for me what about you wonderful well aside from this little show we've also maybe discussed what's or try it's called the x-files yeah Uh, god there's a whole they, they said they had we have a screener for next week's as well as tonight's episode and I, I have not watched it yet. I've been very good. I'm shocked. Very good. Uh, we'll see how long, how much longer that lasts. Uh, I certainly have and to. I, I certainly have to watch the uh, this tonight's episode again this afternoon to write my review, and that'll be delightful as well. Can't wait for those for those little text chain to start. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, but beyond the X Files, uh, I actually I'm gonna. You know, I had one thing. Down, I have two things down here, and I'm only going to mention one of them. Uh, so as of last night, it's official. It's official. It's officially been confirmed that the seventh season of The Good Wife will be the last season of The Good Wife, and that's a show that I think pretty much across the board, everyone's like, eh, "That's that's a good decision." Like, I mean, creatively anyway. The people, you know, I'm sure, the people working on The Good Wife are not happy about like no longer having a job, but the. Probably. But the creators were going to leave at the end of the seventh season. Juliana Margulies sounded like she wanted to leave. Creatively, the show uh, I, I've drift I've I've drifted in and out of I've drifted in and out of the last two seasons, and uh, for various various lack of interest levels, they keep they've they've at this point taken two of the characters I found most compelling and made them go away for various reasons. And uh, yet I'm I've heard that the most recent episode was really interesting. And had some good stuff with Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who's an actor I occasionally like. And Meh. Wow. <laughs> Throwing unnecessary shade at Jeffrey Dean Morgan. What did he ever do to you? Uh, Watchmen. You didn't like him in Watchmen? No. All the cast- and frankly, I didn't like him in Grey's, which is like his breakout. But Oh, I didn't watch that. Um Always remember, gentle listener, that of between the two of us, Ben is the one who watched Grey's Anatomy. Fact. In fact, it, for most things that are like romantic or or quote unquote feminine, I'm probably the one who watched it. Like I love that stuff. It's my bread and butter. Yeah, Ben loves love, but maybe not love the show. Maybe not. We'll find out soon, though. We'll find out soon. We can't. We don't know officially yet. Uh, but yes, I'm. I, I, I definitely. I am a looking forward to kind of catching up with the Good Wife because there are. Look, Alan Cummings still on that show, so that show is still a okay by me. 
Uh, so I'm looking forward to catching up on what I've missed with The Good Wife and also looking forward to seeing what they do with the ending. Like, you know, this is a talented group of people and I think they could really pull something off. Yeah, I, I mean, I it took a lot of balls for them to come out and announce that as a Super Bowl ad, so I would hope that they've got something cooked up to, to end it. Yeah, this is about the time they should be writing that ending, so <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> they saw the end, they're like, oh my God, now we've got so much pressure, what are we going to do? Yeah, uh, but uh, we might be writing more on that topic, and for so for more that topic and many others, you should go to IndieWire.com for news, reviews, interviews, features. And if uh, you want some some hosts who never forget what they're talking about or what they're planning to talk about, then make sure to listen to Screen Talk with Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson. Uh, they're talking about, I mean, everything right now. Oscars are almost over. Like, it's it's in the dead heat. We've got Alejandro Inarritu winning the DGA. Uh, Ann still thinks George Miller's got a shot for Best Director. Pictures all up in the air. Uh, so make sure you check out Screen Talk. And then uh, our editor-in-chief, Dana Harris, over with IndieWire Influencers, is talking to just... The best people in the biz. I mean, just really, really important, kind of under-the-radar, influential people uh, in the indie world and beyond. So make sure you give that a listen, too. Yep. Uh, and we'll be back next week. Oh, first, well, well, first you could go to Twitter and find Ben at Ben T. Travers. And you can also go to Twitter and find Liz at Lizlet with an I and an E. And like I was just saying, we will, we will be back next week talking yet more about television. Uh, Next week is uh, President's Day. We could talk about a little show called 112263. Ooh, baby. Starring IndieWire contributor James Franco. Hey-o. Hey-o. Unbiased but, opinions right here. Unbiased opinions. We just have to disclaim that every time we mention James Franco. I love James Franco. I do, too. He's great. Unbiased opinions. You'll get Tiger more... sweater. <laughs> ben loves the tiger sweater from the interview. I do. Un- unconditionally. If you don't know what we mean, just look it up. You'll love it. And yep. you'll love you'll love listening to, listening to us next week. And in the meantime, you guys, keep watching television.